Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. It's the Sixers show. I am Chris Ryan. I'm joined as always by Raheem Palmer. Raheem, what is up? Life is good. I can't complain. It's unfortunate we got a loss last night, but it was, I mean, bad scheduling spot, but you know what happens. But, you know, life is good. I can't complain. It's an exciting time to be a Sixers fan. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Dallas loss and the Miami win. We were, we, we got on earlier this week and we talked a little bit about that heat loss, but it's been an interesting week. Uh, we knew that this this run of games, especially this brick, and then there's like a block of games at the end of March that are going to be really tough. There are going to be tests for the Sixers. And the thing that's cool right now, Raheem, is that I feel like win or lose, you learn something about the Sixers yeah. after every game. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I mean, without a doubt. I mean, we're definitely, I mean, we're in the stretch where it's just, you know, we're kind of finding out what this team truly is. So, um, Definitely an exciting time. <laughs> so what are what are we? What do you what do you think we are? I mean, like I, I want to go through this Dallas game in detail, but um, you know, right now the Sixers are uh, as of Friday, the the third of March. They're forty and twenty two. They're third in the East. They're five games out of first, uh, and they have a big game with Milwaukee on Saturday night on national network television on ABC. They're two and a half games ahead of the Cavs in fourth. And they have the eighth best offense and defense in the league, and they're two and three since the All Star break. And uh, as you know, they lost to Miami at home, beat Miami on the road in a Joel Embiid rest game, and then lost to Dallas last night in Dallas on the second night of a back to back where they got in at one thirty in the morning from Florida. So at least we avoid the Miami flu, right? But uh, what did you what did you take from this game, and what did you, what did you take from this week of action that we saw? Okay, I mean it's hard to take a lot from this week of action just because I feel like you know it was like a really we had really tough scheduling spots. I mean we come off of 
a really tough game against Boston that we probably should have won. And there was a little hangover effect. I think there was a hangover effect for both teams in that game. Um, when you look at the fact that, you know, Boston, they got blew out by they got blown out by the Knicks. And then, you know, the Sixers offensively, they just didn't show up against the Heat. They they just didn't show up at all. They yeah. got outworked. You look at that first half, you know, they they got out rebounded by like eighteen. So it's just they didn't show up until late. Now, the next game, you kind of just knew with or without Joel Embiid, they would show that they're that they're they're a level above the Heat. So I was I was happy about that win. Um, I think they showed everything that you wanted to see a championship contender show. Now, this Mavericks game, it's a bad spot. Like you said, they got in one thirty, and I think a lot of their issues that we've seen all year with defending the perimeter, it showed up in this game. Um, like. And it, and it's like the biggest te- perimeter test you could face in the NBA. Yeah, probably, I mean, outside of Phoenix, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't. I think if they had more time to prepare, like, or if this was a home game, I think we would have saw a different result. But yeah, it, it just was a bad spot. Yeah. And then, if there's one game I would want to bring back Maxi as a starter, it's not this one. Right, like, right. So Ty- Ty- Tyrese played. He started in Miami, yeah. right? Because Embiid sat. But this was his first time coming back into the starting lineup with a full-strength Sixers. Uh, and Doc throws him out there against Kyrie, right? And, yeah, like, is that is that the easiest spot? But that being said, Tyrese started two games this week, and he's my player of the week yeah. easily. And I can't argue with that. I definitely can't argue with that. But it's just, I mean... He was clearly mismatched. Like there was a there was a play in the fourth quarter where after you know the Sixers made a run and Kyrie's at the top of the key, and it was like Maxi might as well and had not even been there. <laughs> yeah, he was he was getting spin cycled. I mean, this was kind of like the it was interesting to watch the Dallas game because I felt like it was uh evidence as to why Doc Rivers is right and evidence as to why Doc Rivers has been wrong in terms of starting or or bringing Maxi into the second unit because in the beginning of the game and obviously Dallas was were, were like basically unconscious from behind the arc t- against Philly and you know ever since they got Kyrie I think their offensive rating is like 122 and a half or something like that so they've been like pouring it in their defense has been suffering, and I think their end of game execution has been pretty pretty lost. But Tyrese gets cooked a little bit by Kyrie in the beginning of the game, and you know what? Doncic was cooking everybody too. Like it wasn't like it was only him. But then Tyrese also shows like when you basically put up the white flag in the fourth quarter, he leads the Sixers on a fifteen nothing run to start the quarter and gets them within four points or whatever. So it's like. What what is the best use of Maxi? He you know he he has these two incredible games back to back, both from the starting lineup. But is he better as the guy commanding the second unit and playing out there with B-ball Paul and McDaniel's and in this case, like I think Niang you know played against with Niang, Niang, Niang Niang's gotten some minutes, but has been in and out of Doc's kind of rotation. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's really. It's really interesting. And I think your point that you made, where you're like, if this was a playoff series or a home game, if the Sixers were like preparing for Luca and Kyrie every night and coming up with, you know, uh, basically like um, adjustments to that to that offense, it might have been a different story. But if if you if you were pressed, like, wh- where do you want to see Tyrese in the rotation? Do you want to see him as a starter? Or do you want to see him as the sixth man? I want to see him as the sixth man. I, I think he's best suited as like the microwave score. 
um, off the bench and, you know, like just leading these second units. Now, you know, someone posted something that was interesting on Twitter. Um, Sean Bernard, he posted that, you know, this Maxi and the starting lines with Maxi and Melton, they basically have an identical offensive rating. But there's yeah. some noise when it comes to the defensive rating um, because the we all know that Melton's actually a better defensive player, but Maxi, the defensive rating is six points better with Maxi on the floor in, you know, 215 hmm. minutes. Um, so I think there's something with the coaching staff, with, you know, defensive rotations and guys not being where they're supposed to be at this point. But I also think there's a diminishing returns on having Maxi in the starting lineup. How much more can he add to the starting lineup? But how much more can he add to the bench? We have to survive. I think the biggest issue that we're going to continue to have or that we've always had in the Joel and B era is how do we survive those minutes? So I think Maxi right. kind of has to lead the charge on, on surviving those MB, those not MB minutes. So that's why I want to see him come off the bench. I've been thinking so much about rhythm and chemistry the last couple of weeks, not only as it pertains to the Sixers, but as it pertains to all NBA teams, because you saw a bunch of NBA teams do some pretty significant roster overhauls. Like just watching the Clippers last night against the Warriors. And it was like, there are like eight really good NBA players on the Clippers. And yet they just cannot seem to, they can't buy a win right now. And you know, they had no answer for third quarter warriors. And I was thinking about this with the Suns and watching Durant's first game against the Hornets and how like, even though they obviously kicked ass and, and Durant looked great, it was also like dudes were definitely like, whoa, I'm passing the ball to Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like he's all of a sudden on our team in, in mm-hmm. February. And you know, like that's the that's the great unknown for as much as we can document and analyze and put data points against so many things in basketball people's comfort levels and their sense of rhythm with when they're in a game and who they're playing with when they're in that game is still the thing that you can look at five-man lineups and you can look at on off numbers and all this stuff but like maxi might just like play starting (laughs) you know what i mean like and and it's tough it's like the, the kid exploded in the two games he started and 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 you want that from him but on the other hand, our record is awesome when he's coming off the bench. I don't know. It's like what's good for the goose and what's good for the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, that is that is really tough to navigate. I mean, maybe I mean it has to be a situation to where you start him and then you 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 kind of play with his minutes so he's he's always managing that second second unit. Um or as our um producer Cliff said, maybe it has to be matchup based. Yeah, I'll be really curious to see what Doc does in the first round of the playoffs, because presumably, let's say, I mean, it's not going to be the Nets because I think the Nets are going to start really not tanking, but like just like, because they, they'll just like, they might be in free fall for all I know. And you, you expect maybe the Hawks to get a little bit of a new coach bounce and, you know, the heat or the heat. But like, I, I imagine that they'll, they'll scrape out a couple of wins here and, and get into the playoff playoffs, not play in. But that first round series for the Sixers should really be like almost like a, a training camp for, for Doc and seeing like what are the different combos I can throw out there in a playoff situation. It's just weird. It's like when you see that Sixers team that played against Miami without Joel, which I texted you guys and was like, not going to lie, these dudes are easier on the eye sometimes yeah. than when they haven't beat in and the ball stops and it's kind of like waiting for the double to come. I wish that we could get 
basically like the Embiid Harden yeah. team, and then also the small ball team that we saw against Miami. Interesting. So, I mean, what do you mean by that? You got to elaborate on it. Like, I wish basically like we were able to run out like two different, fully two different looks, you know, and that's something that say like the Celtics, I think are pretty good at. Like they did it with, with they, they obviously were juggling the small ball team against us mm-hmm. versus the Horford Williams looks against us because they were worried about Embiid just destroying their interior. But like, I, I want to see the Sixers within the same game have like, we have these two looks we can throw at you. We have the mm-hmm. Embiid centric offense and then we have a pj at the five or paul reed at the five like ball ball is flying around finding the open three-point shooter or maxi is dribble like getting penetration and finding the open shooter that kind of thing because i think that that's a very very difficult team offensively at least to beat defensively i don't know but like you know that's the thing with dallas is like I, nobody can play defense against Dallas. They have the two best scorers maybe on earth. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, I kind of know what you mean. Um, and I've seen that from other teams in the past. Like, um, I remember those Raptors teams with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. It was like almost like you'd have the starting lineup with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, and De, DeRozan would do his DeRozan things. But then it'd be Lowry in the bench units. And those Lowry in the bench units yeah. would absolutely kill. So... There's no reason why we couldn't have Maxi, Melton, Hart, and Harrison Tucker doing something in that second unit, um, right? And the and the right. I mean, it's uh, the the minutes thing is like such a, the the rotations and the minutes thing. That's why Doc gets paid. It's like it's like up to him to figure that out. And I do think to Cliff's point, it will be matchup based. It'll depend on like, are we playing a team that. Embiid can dominate or are we playing a team you know like what what do we need from that offense on any given yeah. series I mean it, the interesting thing um you know the Sixers actually have in, in 13 games without Joel Embiid they have an offense rating of 120 um wow versus you know the, <laughs> granted there's 49 games with Joel Embiid they're scoring one 116.7 and you know you look at a lot of these yeah. defenses that the Sixers played without Embiid I mean they didn't play. I don't think they played anybody in the top ten. But it's it, it speaks to your point that you know the small ball unit can score, um, and they're a lot more free flowing. It's not super post up heavy. Everybody get out of the way. It's just you know they're just they're running up and down the court in transition, and they can hit the three. So um, I do. I would like to see a lot more of that. I, I think you made a great point there. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Well, it's like, I'm trying to articulate this right, because in no way am I, like, I had this thing kind of planned out for the beginning of the pod where I was going to be like, the normal brain take Mm -hmm. is that, you know, like the Sixers against the Heat were just like, that was just like the Heat regressed and like they couldn't hit it, water falling out of a boat. And the Sixers just had a great game with Maxi and, and Reed having an especially great night. I don't want to say like, 
why are the Sixers sometimes better without Embiid? Because that's not what I mean. I think what I mean is why are they sometimes better when he straight up doesn't play rather than we have to like stay afloat when he's sitting in a game itself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost like the the lineup that winds up going in when Embiid is sitting is so bad that we have that we that we always like we'll lose a lead or we'll we'll fall out at like we'll fall out of a game basically we'll go down double digits. But when Embiid doesn't play at all, it feels like that team is never really truly out of any game and could shoot their way back in and 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 like you said, that offensive rating is yeah. tasty. I know exactly which it, it, it's a strange thing. I mean, do you think, you know, because I mean, sometimes the rotations when, you know, Embiid is just out of the game, it just feels like we'll see, we'll see a lineup with, it'll be no Harden, um, maybe Maxi, maybe no Melton, um, Montrez. Yeah, Maxi Harris McDaniels. Yeah, it'll it'll just yeah, be like right. a junk Montre- lineup and it's just like, yo, somebody has to like kind of control this. Yeah. Yeah. But whereas like when when Joel just sits, and especially if he's sitting and harden sitting, it's like, dude, are we gonna live through this? Yeah. Um that's something for the coaching staff to figure out. And I, I think I, I think yeah. that's that's been an issue the entire MB era. And it's it's baffling that we haven't been able to figure it out yet. So we have an easier week next week. I would love for us to keep buying Embiid mm-hmm. nights off on back-to-backs like this, and I think, I think that would be very wise. I, I, I don't. I think even if Embiid were to play, well, actually, I don't. I'm not sure, but I is he going to hit seventy games this year if he plays out the rest of the season? I was trying to think of like how close he is to Jokic in the MVP mm-hmm. race. And like whether or not this is because he's he's pretty openly been like, I don't like I don't care about the MVP. Like, I just want to win a championship. Like, um, I'm sure deep down he would love to win the MVP and it would mean a ton to him. But I want I want to see him get good and rested because a lot of the logic around why, say, Daryl Morey has maybe gone for guys like Deadman or, you know, just like this kind of patchwork backup five thing is because he's like, but in the playoffs and beats going to play 40 minutes. a night, Yeah, right. And he's obviously got this foot issue. He obviously needs, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't want to go to the all-star game by all accounts. Um, he like has taken this night off against Miami to rest on a back to back, came back, played really well against Dallas, obviously numbers wise. But like, do you think that we're putting too much emphasis on the idea that he's going to be this 40 minute a night guy in the playoffs? And that's going to solve all our problems. Um, I mean, he's never played 40 minutes in the playoffs. So I, I just like when you look at, I mean, the most he's played last year uh, was last year when he played 38.5. So that's yeah. clearly not going to solve all our issues because I, I think he's going to, ha- we're going to have to fill those minutes somewhere. Like it's not feasible for Joel and B to play 40 minutes a game throughout the entire playoffs. It's just, it's just not. Um, so I, I think we have to make sure he's healthy. Um, and you know, Cliff's just said he's not going to reach seventy games. I mean, he's he's at forty nine yeah. right now. We have twenty games left. Um, and when you look at this Sixers schedule, it's just absolutely daunting. I think we have we have 
post All Star break, it was twenty five games in forty five days, fifteen away games. Yeah. So I think we only have seven home games left at this point. So I think we're gonna kind of have to just get some rest spots in there for him. But at the same time, it's we we got to figure out this bench unit because you know if he's if he's maxing out thirty eight thirty nine minutes in the playoffs, I, I just I I just don't see. We got to survive those minutes. Right. Uh, on a positive note, um, I thought that there were some incredibly fun plays over the last couple of days. Like, obviously, just Maxie's, like, explosion in the fourth quarter. It's like, take your pick. But uh, especially last night, um, I thought we had some really nice hardened transition mm-hmm. moments uh, with some with some dump-off passes. The play in the second quarter where Harden had the like quote-unquote fast break i would never call james like absolutely lightning moving down the court but he had that play with mb where he takes the ball down the floor no look no look dumps it off to Embiid, and then harden basically acts as like a fullback <laughs> and just t- takes maxi cleaver completely out of the play and Embiid dunked it and harden had another really nice dump off pass to tobias no look dump off pass in the i think it was in the first quarter but um i love i love harden right now man I know that I, I, I guess I, I didn't have this in the rundown, but I did want to talk to you about the huge athletic piece that came out. Um, it's like right when I'm falling for Harden <laughs> is when is when the athletic publishes a multi thousand word article about how he's going to go back to Houston. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really disappointing. Um, it just it does. I, I struggled to see why Houston would even want Harden back other than to sell tickets. I think that I think Houston's in a lot of trouble, and I think that they they might they might be open for business in terms of like yo we we got to get this we got to get somebody back. This guy is an icon of the team. We'll pay him like to Houston giving Harden that deal is not is not the end of the world. Like yeah. for the for Philly, and you're thinking about Embiid's prime, giving Harden this this max contract and paying him through th- years thirty seven, thirty eight, or whatever. Are is is really like? Are you sure you want to be on the hook for James Harden at thirty seven? I mean, you know? but for Houston, it's like, what? Are, where's Houston going? It feels like for Philly, as long as Daryl Morey is there, I mean, he's. It seemed like he's he'd be willing to give Harden whatever he wants. I would assume so, but Harden may want to. And live I in think Houston. that's the that's that's the biggest issue is that I think Harden would rather live in Houston than live in Philly. Um, and yeah. If we're not winning a championship, or it, like honestly, we could win a championship, and he could just say, "You know what? I got what I I, I wanted. I got a ring. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Kawhi Leonard." You know. Yeah, and then, and then in that case, the worst case scenario is almost getting to the Eastern Conference Finals because it's like the Sixers have been farther than they ever have have been in the Embiid era, but Embiid is losing yet another wingman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like, and this will now be. It's Ben, it's Butler, it's uh, Harden. You know what I mean? Like we've now gone through so many different iterations of like who are we gonna pair with, with Joel Embiid, and you know I would I wonder if you lose in the second round of the playoffs, if Harden's just like, you know what? Honestly, like getting this Houston team into the playoffs in the West is almost as much of an accomplishment as losing in the second round with Philly, which they do every That's year. That's exactly like. Honestly, you stole the thoughts right out of my brain. It's just like, it almost feels like if they lose in the second round of the playoffs, he's like, yo, I can't win with this team. 
I'm not going to win a championship right. here. What's the point? I might as well just, you know, make a decision based on a lifestyle and I'm going to get paid anyway. Um, there's no state taxes there. So I think that's that's what we have to fear. It, it feels like this just, is. And that's why I think the trade deadline was so disappointing. Because this feels like a make or break year. I mean, with all the reports of Harden thinking about leaving, like this iteration and this core could be done. And at, at what yeah. point? Well, I mean, the, the the only alternative would be right would be trading a Maxi Harris yeah. package to to get another star in for Embiid. Because I don't think that like they could go to Embiid and be like, "Well, Maxi's going to step yeah. up now," you know. And it, like that's not that's not really offering Embiid much, especially. You know, I mean, I was going to say the noise around like and be leaving is is mostly coming from Bill, so it's not. I haven't I haven't heard that noise, but I mean, I I do feel like in today's NBA, any any star could leave. I mean, it's just we're at the point now to where if Harden left in free agency, you know, like I imagine Embiid's patience is, patience is just going to run thin. Yeah, and just so, just so for uh, in case our listeners haven't gotten a chance to read that athletic article, it's by uh, Kelly Iko and uh, Sam Amick and in the Athletic, and it's just basically like Harden left. The circumstances weren't great, but unbeknownst to a lot of people, it was definitely like warmer than it w- seemed, and that Har- Harden that Houston has always been like you have a place back here, and Harden's maybe signaled that he'd be interested in returning and that Houston has the cap space, you know, regardless of how chaotic and, and, and ridiculous that team has been this year, they have a couple of really good young pieces and James Harden coming back in and playing with Jalen green, Jabari Smith and Sengun is like, you know, and whatever, you know, I, I know whatever maybe. draft pick. I mean, if they get Wimba and what if they get, and what if they get Victor? Yeah, if they right, get Wimba, yeah. It's just like they're, I mean, that would be crazy. <laughs> And I'm sure if Harden was going back, it could be like, I, I like he could call his own shot. I mean, he could call, he could get D'Antoni with him if he wanted to. I mean, I don't, if I'm sure if they were like, what do you want to come back to Houston? And he would basically get the keys to yeah. the castle, and it would be like, what do you, what do you, what, what coach do you want? What GM maybe even do you want? Like he might get the the Killian Mbappe deal in Paris where he gets to run the team. Um, I have a couple other things I wanted to go over for this week though. Um, so we talked about Embiid. We talked about 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 the the body language. Really, I just wanted to ask about uh, how you felt about the B ball Paul minutes. I was I I, I, I love the B ball, and I, I think it's a blessing in disguise that Deadman has been injured. Um, because yeah, I mean, me too. Paul Reed against Miami, he a monster game: sixteen points, fourteen rebounds, two blocks, plus twenty six, plus minus. Like it's just we, I we've said it all year. We want to see him play more. Um. And I think, you know, the versatility as on defense, like having him and Jalen McDaniels in the lineup at the same time, you could switch everything. And it's just you have so much athleticism. So it's just like I just I just want to see him play more. And I just think the more he plays, the the better he is having a shot at making an impact in the playoffs in the nine MB minutes. Um, I know. I mean, the, the only thing I don't like about it is I'm like, you could have done this in December. Yeah. You know, what I mean? like we could have we could have been like experimenting and letting him play through mistakes in December. Um, do you feel as though, let's say, like, I mean, ideally, I everybody knows I think that we're both pretty into 
to Paul Reed, I understand he comes with his own drawbacks, the same way McDaniels kind of comes with some drawbacks, obviously. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like that that roster spot that we gave to Deadman could have been used better? Uh like with a different, like whether it's a Dragic or a Kevin Love. I know that Kevin Love wound up getting paid like three million. Like he got a pretty good deal from Miami, so it was tough. But like, the, of all the guys who were kind of floating around in that in that deadline, in the in the buyout market, do you feel like we could have used that spot better than we did? Um, definitely not with Kevin Love. Um, I'm I'm not a Kevin Love guy at all. I mean, right now, like I mean, you saw in his debut. He started, and I think he had zero points. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, right now, you're looking at a guy who can't move. He can't defend. Um, his He he can't shoot. So it's just like, I mean, the, I think the one thing that he would have added is rebounding. And yeah, I, I just, I, I didn't see a place for him on this team. I mean, basically, you're telling me that he would have played over, you know, Niang or something. Like, I just, I, I would rather have those Niang minutes. Um, So, um. Obviously, we don't want Russell Westbrook, Danny Green. I mean, we saw last year he was a bit washed. Um, Reggie would have been in. I mean, Reggie Jackson would have been interesting, I guess. Yeah, but Reggie Jackson, I mean, that that would have been interesting, although that that would have forced a more profound maxi conversation. Yeah. And like what you're doing with him and where you're putting him and what you want from him, because that's this is the sort of funny thing with 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 Harden is like Harden's the best point guard the Sixers have had since Mo Cheeks maybe or whatever but it's like what do you, or you know at least since Drew Holiday and it's like well what do you where do you put the backup point guard to a guy who's really almost a small forward or a shooting guard you know and and then if you add another backup PG and Reggie Jackson another guy who also likes to get his buckets it's it starts to like mess with the team chemistry almost a little bit, but I I take your point. Reggie Jackson's going to be really important for Denver. What do you think about you know Tony Bradley? Because I mean I know I mean were- we do yeah I mean I pref- do, I definitely would have rather had Tony Bradley than Dwayne Dedman honestly. Yeah I mean I, I know they were expected to um I think the Bulls actually waived him. Um I didn't see him get picked up. Did he get picked? He didn't get picked up by anybody. I don't think so. Yeah I don't think so. I mean I I saw you know Dragic. It sounds like Dragic is going to the Bucks. I feel like the Bucks have like 19 good players. It's just really, really frustrating. Yeah. And <laughs> it, I mean, I, it was bad enough that they added Crowder. And it yeah. was just like, all right, damn. And, then and they got getting, Ingles back. And yeah, they got Middleton Ingles back. back. Just, yeah. And it feels like we didn't really add anything. Um, yeah. Wait, let's, let's end with talking a little bit about this Milwaukee game. Um. You know, these regular season test games, we got another one coming up at the end of the month where the Sixers go on the road and they get Golden State and Denver and Phoenix. That's going to be a really interesting stretch. But I feel like these regular season games where it's like, you know, whether it's Philly-Boston or, you know, Philly-Milwaukee, you can put as much into it as you want and you can also easily write them off as regular season games immediately afterwards. So give me an idea of like how important you think this Milwaukee game is. I think it's huge. Um, I think it's huge anytime you're playing a team who you could potentially see in the Eastern Conference semifinals or Eastern Conference finals, a team that you need to get through in order to win a championship. Um, you know, the last time these two teams played, obviously there was no Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday actually came off the bench. But, you know, the Sixers had 
a pretty dominant second half. That first half, I think the Bucks were up 10 or so, um, and the Sixers made a nice run. And, and that was a game in which I think um, I think Maxie got hurt in that game, yeah if, if, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I actually think this is a good spot for the Sixers. I, I, like I've been, I was saying it on Twitter, you know, if the Sixers lose, I might find myself playing the Sixers, at least on the betting markets, just because it just feels like, you know, this Bucks team has won 16 in a row. Um, yeah, they didn't lose in February. <laughs> yeah, and I know they look unbeatable, but, I mean, this Sixers team, to me, they've always played the Bucks tight. Like, they've always yeah. played them tight. And it's not a, it's not a Boston, it's not a Boston situation where they just have our number. Um, they just, it's, it's just, it's one of those situations to where you see both teams kind of going back and forth. So, um, I, I like the Sixers in this matchup. I think, you know, if everybody's healthy, the fact that MB rested in that Miami game, I think he'll have a lot in the tank for this matchup. Yeah. Uh, like we said, like it, it's going to be, it's going to be impossible for Embiid to get to 70. And I think I saw something about MVPs where it's just basically like 70 is sort of the baseline amount of games played for, for guys like I, whatever Joel, Joel, like, is playing for something bigger than just an MVP award, but I, I do think that he takes it seriously to go out there and compete against guys like Giannis and Jokic and stuff like that. So it'll be a fascinating individual matchup and a great test of how are the Sixers feeling after basically crisscrossing the middle of the country for a week uh, in Florida and Texas and, you know, Milwaukee, and then they got to go to Indiana and all this stuff. Like it's this, this is, this is the dog days, but it's also like, Things are getting really tight in the Eastern Conference. New York is surging. Cleveland's still right behind us. Um, it's it's going to be like a, a real, really, really awesome game on Saturday on ABC. So everybody's going to be watching. Raheem, it was great talking to you, man. Thanks to Cliff Augustine for producing us. And we'll be back mm -hmm. next week at least once. So maybe twice, but the next week's schedule, it's basically we're going to go up. We're going to come to you after the Timberwolves game. But uh, if any other news comes up, we will we will definitely do a second show, and you can expect to start to hear Shield a little bit more on the Sixers pods going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, Raheem, thanks so much, man. No, no doubt. We got some Philly stuff coming too. Um, yeah. Oh, that's right. The yeah. Phillies tearing up spring training. You're whoa! My voice just got like incredibly excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so crazy. A lot of the, a lot of the sharp money is on the Philadelphia Phillies under. Um, obviously, Bryce Harper is out for quite some time, but um, I'm yeah, excited man. to see this team. Um, Trey looks like friggin' <laughs> amazing already. Yeah, like it's just um, I'm so excited. We had expectations this year, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, I'm also like I'm just looking forward to baseball in general because the the rule changes. Yeah, no. has that wound up affecting betting yet? Um, I haven't been paying too much attention to you know like the the, the baseball lines yet, but I'm sure it will. Um, yeah. I mean the fact that. Now you got a shot clock, <laughs> you got a pitcher clock, um, and now you got bigger bases, and, and you no have shift. no shift. Um, so I, I'm we're gonna get singles back. We're yeah. gonna get some singles to the opposite field back. Yeah. Apparently, though, um, they said it hasn't like the the shift hasn't had. Much, I think they tried it in the minor league. It hasn't had much effect yet. So um, honestly, it's aesthetic to me. Yeah, it's like it's like even if a dude does ground out to second, I still just can't stand it when it's like there's there's three guys on the right side of the infield and they're all like basically standing at the edge of the, of the infield. Yeah. Like I just, it just looks, doesn't look like baseball to me. Yeah. It just, I mean, it killed Ryan Howard's career. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that and the multiple Achilles injuries. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Uh, talk to you next week. All right. You have a good one. <laughs>